Good evening, church. Can we stand our feet? As we get ready to sing to the Lord today. We know who he is. We know his character. We know his nature. Let's sing. We have this confidence in Jesus. His blood has brought us into freedom. There is no other that can save us. Because we know, because we know it's Jesus. And he is always with us, faithful and true in our
Aren't you glad you came to the house of the Lord on a Friday night? We're glad you're here. We're gonna um, we're gonna sing something that we've sung at, at at North. I'm not sure that we've sung it here. It's a song called Good Plans. Uh, in Jeremiah 29, the Lord speaks to uh, exiled Israel, and He says things to them like, you know, they're exiled. We don't get exiled anymore, you know, some of us and. But, but some folks do. And we're, we're actually facing some of that crisis right now. People fleeing their countries and coming here in droves. And just imagine being outside of your home, outside of your country. So much confusion. And God speaks to that people. And he says, make a home, build a family. These are all strange things. Don't listen to the, to the prophets for right now. And, and in the midst of this confusion... We get Jeremiah 29, 11, where the Lord says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. And I, I want to speak to those in the room that may feel untethered in this season, that the Lord still has good plans. The Lord still has good thoughts towards you, that the Lord still has good things for your future, so have hope. Yeah? Have hope. And we're going to sing this song. The chorus is really easy to get, so I'm not going to teach it, but we're going to learn it together, yeah? Can we just open our hands right here? Just for a moment, just receive this. The Lord is my shepherd, and he is everything I need, so I will not work. I will not fear the enemy. He said that he loves me. He said that he's with me. Even I walk through the valley of shadow and death, and still I know that he has good plans. He has good plans for me. It's your part here. So I will take heart deserts and gardens cause he has good plans he has good plans for me if I know my father I know my father has good plans no weapon formed against me the Lord is my savior Lord is my Savior, so why should I doubt my victory? Why would I question the rod and the staff that comforts me? He quiets the waters, He quiets the storm inside of me. So what could be better than walking with
We're going to go back into this song here in just a minute. I'm coming up a little bit early, and this is kind of replacing our offering time. So honor system, do your thing, be generous, the whole thing, right? Be part of the family of God as you give to the Lord of your tithes and offerings. But right now, I want to pray. And I want to pray over 18 to 30-year-olds, okay? So today at UCCS, there was violence on campus. On Monday at UCCS, a perfectly healthy 20-year-old nursing student dropped dead in the weight room. And they're grieving across the campus. And I just sense tonight to pray over the 18 to 30-year-olds and to rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. And so if you are in that age range, would you raise your hand tonight? Would you just show us who you are? Look around this room. There's hands everywhere. If you see someone holding their hand up, I want you to go lay hands on them. Just don't be weird, okay? Be nice. But I want you now to begin to release the blessing of God. I know we've got parents of college students over here. And and I want you to just begin to speak life over them. I want you to speak courage over them. I want you to speak blessing over them. I want you to speak God's favor over them. I want you to speak a long life over them. I want you to speak good health over them. Release those good plans. Agree with God over their lives. Lord, right now, we pray over the 18 to 30-year-olds. We speak the blessing of God. We speak the favor of God. We pray that the anointing of heaven would fall on them in fresh measure. We pray that you would open heaven over their lives. We rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus who comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus, you are stronger and you are greater. And you said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. And so, Lord, we speak life and fullness of life over these 18 to 30-year-olds. We speak the, the future that you have for them, plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans to give them a future and a hope. We rebuke hopelessness in Jesus' name. We rebuke despair in Jesus' name. We rebuke the the enemy's work to try to make you play small and to bow your head and to bow your life and and to give up and quit. In Jesus' name, we speak hope over your future. We speak power into you. We speak courage into you. And so, Lord, right now, for those that are in this room and for those that we know that we're praying for outside of this room, we speak your good plans over them. We're going to sing this song and let's just trust by faith that God is going to do this for our 18 to 30 year olds. Come on.
place your hand over your heart as we sing it. He has good plans for me. So I will take heart in deserts and gardens. Because he has good plans. He has Kind of messed up the service for a little bit, but I'm not sorry. 653. We got one more in us. What do we got in us? What do we need to sing? There we go. Let's take a few more minutes here and press in. Come on. Let's give the Lord everything we have right here. Come on, church. Tell him he's worthy. Tell him he's holy. 
Tell him he's the King of Kings. Tell him he's the Lord of Lords. something Abby and Kyle who lead and John Egan who's here tonight they released a song today called Amen Hallelujah okay so Abby and Kyle and John wrote it it is excellent you can find it on Apple music uh, I uh, what do they call it Spotify all the places all the platforms YouTube it's out there and it's stunning a great video and audio so check it out download it and share it with your people amen hallelujah can we give it up for the team tonight leading us so excellently Alex Thomas, come here real quick. I'm not going to make you talk, but I want you all to see the newest staff member at New Life Friday Night. Alex Thomas is here, and we've got a cool thing. So we just prayed over college and 20-somethings. Alex, next Friday night, look for this guy after the service out in the lobby at the info counter. He's gonna, if you're in that age range and you want to get together, he's going to buy dinner, okay? New Life Friday night is buying dinner for you, if that's you. So come find this handsome dude. He'll, take, he'll tell you where we're going, but you guys go out, eat a great meal, and Alex is going to bring the receipt back to the church, okay? So give it up for Alex Thomas. Love you, man. Two more quick things. If you're new, we would love to meet you at Guest Central in the back after the service, give you a gift and get to know you. And finally, the 
Jonathan Christian Egan is here to preach tonight. So John's been here 23 years, worship leader. I've known him 25 plus years. He's a man of God. He's been faithful here. He and his wife Paige and their three kids are just deeply embedded in the life of this church. And he's got a word for us tonight out of John chapter 10. So when John comes up after the video, just shout for like 10 seconds, okay? Go crazy. Welcome him to New Life Friday night. Before that, take two minutes, cross the aisle, hug a neck, shake a hand, be kind in Jesus' name. One, two, three, go. Too much. Stop it. It's too much. I'm going to act like you did that out of the kindness of your own heart. And that, that handsome bald guy that was up here a minute ago, he didn't coerce you into doing that. I'm going to act like it. That handsome bald guy is my dear friend, Daniel Grothy, who I love. I don't get to talk about him much publicly. We're always working. But Daniel, I love you, bro. 25 years. Sacred miles we have logged together in life and in ministry. And how about another 25 years? Are you up for it? Paige and I love you. And we love you too, Lisa. You're included. We love you dearly. It's so good to be here. It's good to be in church. How people think they could do this life on their own, I have no idea. Right? We need each other. We need, we need each other on a day like today, don't we? So I'm so happy to be with you, to get, with you at church and to get to preach John, the gospel of John and this incredible series 
that we've been in, guys, since we've been preaching this series, we've been seeing some miracles break out. For real, we've been seeing some really cool things, some divine encounters, divine conversations, divine strategic little moments, moments that we're kind of thinking that was only God. We can't make that happen, we can't make that work. I wish I could tell you more of the stories, but people's stories are precious, they're sacred, they're holy. We have to guard them, but they're breaking out, so buckle up, who knows what's gonna happen tonight, right? Are you up for it? Come, Lord Jesus, is what I say. Come, Lord Jesus. So tonight I am preaching out of John chapter 10. We're a little ahead now. John chapter 10 is a little ahead. Here's how that's happened. Daniel and I talked months ago about this night, this, this date, and we knew we'd be in the Gospel of John, but we didn't know exactly where we would be, and I was kind of jonesing for a few chapters that I wanted to preach. I preached John 4 last week at North. I'd love it if you went and listened to that, and I'd be honored, but also because the last half of it, I kind of lay out our philosophy of worship in kind of this consumer world that we're living in, and we're making Jesus our all, right, and the worshipers that he's looking for. Uh, but then I mentioned John 10. I said, oh, I'd love to do a sermon on, on the shepherd and the sheep, and Daniel said, there it is. Do that. Just run with it. It's a burden on your heart. Go with it. So here we are, and we're not that far ahead. Last week, you were John 5, and... We're jumping ahead, and don't worry, we're not going to ignore six, seven, eight, and nine. We don't, we don't, we're going to go for it. So we'll, we'll circle back and do that. But I get to preach John chapter 10, so let's open up to that. But first, a quick story. Um, this past summer, I was gifted um, what in the Christian tradition they call a sabbatical. I had a two-month sabbatical, and sabbaticals are first in the Christian tradition, um, but secular arenas have adopted it, universities, businesses. I know one of my favorite graphic designers, a secular guy, every seven years, he takes a full year off. Someone say, must be nice. <laughs> yeah. But I got this sabbatical, and I wasn't necessarily needing it. I wasn't limping into it. I wasn't on the edge of some sort of exhaustion or burnout. But I got this sabbatical because the spiritual disciplines mean something to us, and Pastor Brady's awesome, and I got it. And so there in mid-July, I started a two-month sabbatical, and on morning one, I just went for a really long walk, and that long walk was four, mile, four miles. And then a few hours later, I decided to go out again for another walk, and I went another, like, five miles. And then later that night, uh, it was getting dark, and I went for another walk, and it was like six miles. By the end of that night, I had like 30,000 steps, for the day and like 25 miles. I think that's how it works. Maybe not 25, 14 miles or so. But I walked and I walked and I walked. And the next day I did the same thing. And the next day I did the same thing. And the next day I did the same thing. And then the next day Paige wondered if I was ever gonna take a shower again. <laughs> and then the next day I did the same thing. And then rumors and whispers started circulating around Briargate's area. Who is this ragamuffin-y dude? <laughs> walking around Briargate. He certainly needs a job or a life or something, but I just kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And after, it was just two months of walking and at the end of the two months, someone snapped a picture of me on one of my walks and I just wanted to show that real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why all those people were following me, but I think, I think they thought I was on to something. And I was on to something. Here's what happened. Something extraordinary started happening to me on this time. Um, I just, I never wondered what was next. I kept, I would listen to podcasts, and then I, it would remind me of a sermon. I'd go listen to that sermon. It would remind me of a song. I'd go listen to that song and live in that song for hours. And that song then would remind me of this, and I would do that. And then I would jump to silence, and then that silence would lead me to time. 
on the side of the road with tears streaming down my face as Jesus would take me to kind of younger John and just have compassion over younger John and uh, John that would regret things or a broken John or, and to, to love on that person and to remind me where he was in those seasons. And, and he just brought me into this incredible adventure and I just was so overwhelmed by it. I was like, what is happening, this adventure and this journey that God is leading me on? And then about two-thirds of the way through the sabbatical, I came across a statement. Uh, it was made by a fictional character named Jaber Crow. It's in a book by Wendell Berry, and it's called Jaber Crow. And Jaber Crow, as a young guy, he's in middle America, rural, kind of small town, and as a young guy, he's trying to be a preacher. He wants to be a preacher. And then he ends up being, though, the local town barber. And then also a grave digger at the local cemetery. And he's lived this long life. And at the end of his life, he says this. I can remember those early years when it seemed to me I was completely adrift. And time when, looking back at earliest times, it seemed I had been wandering in the dark woods of error. But now it looks to me as though I was following a path. That was laid out for me, unbroken, and maybe even as straight as possible from one end to the other. And now I have this feeling, which never leaves me anymore. Here it is, that I have been led. I will leave you to judge the truth of that for yourself, for there is no proof. I'm on the side of the road on one of my many walks, and these warm tears just fill my eyes. And I was just thinking, is that what's happening to me on this two-month little break? I've not wondered what's next. Has God been leading me? Is he actually leading me? And I had to confess, I forgot he does that. He's, I realized he's not like a, a distant parent, you know, who drops you off at college. Here's a few bucks for some books and for food and do a good job. Don't let me down and I'll see you at Christmas. Maybe, no, he's involved in the daily, involved in the steps, involved in each mile. And then I was reflecting on 22 and a half years at New Life Church and 44 years of living, and maybe even in the times where I felt like I was completely adrift, right? In times where I felt like I was wandering in the dark woods of error, perhaps now I could have this feeling that doesn't, doesn't leave me, that he is leading me and that he is leading us. We're all being led by something, friends. It's not a question of if you're being led, but by whom and what is leading you? Is it the distractions of life, the pressures, the fears, the performance? Is it media, decision fatigue, overload of choice? Or is it this really good shepherd that is leading you? Okay, nice story, lots of walks, Forrest Gump, even had a Jaber Crow uh, quote, good job. Now, where is this going? John 10. Okay, John 9, Jesus heals a man born blind, and the Pharisees are up in arms, which is a really common tale in the book of John. The Pharisees are confused because Jesus ends up saying that your sins are forgiven to this guy. And the Pharisees are saying, who, who is this guy who thinks he could forgive sin? Only God can do that, right? And Jesus says, well, that's why I have come. I have come to forgive sins and I have come to open blind eyes. And the Pharisees are offended and they're saying, are you saying we have blind eyes? Are you saying we're blind? And Jesus says, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you have blind eyes. And then he launches into John 10. So here's the word of the Lord, but let's just say, come Holy Spirit. 
come, God, and use the power of your words. We're wide open to you, Jesus. All right, verse one. Very truly, I tell you, you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not. They didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was saying, like many of us. So Jesus basically told them again. Verse seven, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and they're robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Skip into verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I'll say this is the word of the Lord and you'll say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, so good to say that together. When I was in college, at Oral Roberts University, Daniel and I went there together. Who are you? Golden Eagles. We, what, we would go on this, in the summertime, we would go on these music ministry tours. We'd go all over the country um, leading worship at different churches. And we'd just pile into a 15-passenger dangerous van and we'd just drive all over the country. And this was pre-iPhone, all right? So hours on the road, pre-iPhone. So when you sat at a red light, that's what you did. You sat at a red light. <laughs> And then you just drove and you had conversation and you played games. But one of the games that we played on our little trips was, uh, was what animal are you like? What animal looks like you? What animal acts like you? What animal do you want to be like? And then it ended up being just an argument over, I want to be the great white shark because they, they just do what they want or a lion or the strong ones, you know, or the snow leopard was talked about, which would never work in modern times because snow leopards don't want to be seen. They're super camouflage, so they wouldn't be good at social media and that whole world. People wanted to be dolphins, eagles, but you know what animal no one wanted to be like? A sheep. <laughs> no one mentioned sheep, but all throughout scripture, Old Testament and new, you know who we are? Sheep. And I get it. Sheep get a bad rap, but they're kind of awesome. They're kind of amazing. Yes, uh, yes, they're dumb. They are. They're really dumb. But they're also really intelligent. And the more we actually do see ourselves as sheep, the more we actually will see our shepherd. Okay, I've done some study on this. I'm no sheep expert here. I've never been accused of that. However, I've read a lot, so I, I know enough to be dangerous. So just give me like a minute here. Sheep are herd animals, or in this case, they're flock animals. Okay, so they stick together. And if one is doing something... If a sheep, one sheep is doing something and seems really committed to it, the others will just start doing it and they won't know why. Sounds pretty human to me. <laughs> Have you ever seen these scare pranks? They're all, over, they're all over the place. They're hilarious where someone will just act terrified by something and the other person doesn't know, but they'll just start acting terrified. <laughs> they'll start running through the front lawn 
running from something. They have no idea what it is. That's sheep behavior. Or here we are in 2024 election season. We're going to see a lot of this sheep behavior. All right? We see there's protests and marches, and it's good. We live in a great country where we can do that. But have you ever seen people go up to those people and say, hey, what are you marching about? They'll often go, um, you know, I don't quite know. My, <laughs> let me get my friend who invited me. It's sheep behavior. We see it a lot, okay? So sheep, yes, they could be a little um, gullible. They could be a little dumb, okay? And they're influenced by others. True story, there was a shepherd, a modern-day shepherd, who had a barn full of sheep, about 100 sheep. He actually, uh, in, the, in the exit door of the barn, he hung a white piece of rope across the exit. Then he called for his sheep. And then, so the first one hopped over the rope, second one hopped over the rope, third one hopped over the rope, and then he had someone cut the white rope. They cut the rope so there was no rope. And then 97 sheep jumped over nothing. (laughs) If that gives you an idea. (laughs) Humans never do that kind of stuff. Okay, but also sheep are really brilliant. They have impressive cognitive abilities. They form lasting bonds with other sheep and their owners. They stick up for one another. They grieve when there is a loss. They experience joy, fear, anger, and boredom. And they have really good memories. They're proven to remember other sheep and people for up to 50 years. Someone tells me their name and I forget it in 50 seconds. Unless you're Daniel Grothy, who remembers their first name and their middle name and their dog's middle name and their, and their cat's surgery that's coming up. <laughs> he remembers all of it. <laughs> that is sheep behavior. I won't stand for it. <laughs> you're going to need that back. You're going to take notes. <laughs> that actually scared the life out of me. <laughs> It just caught the light. (laughs) Okay, where am I getting all this information? I found this book by a guy named Philip Keller. Philip Keller, he was born in a place that was really arid, a lot like uh, biblical landscape where sheep would be. And then he grew up and he became an actual shepherd, an actual modern day shepherd. There are those things. Um, And then he also was a pastor at a church. So this guy's insights are really, really cool. He says this, it is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Our mass mind or mob instincts, our fears, timidity, our stubbornness and stupidity, our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance. Yet despite these adverse characteristics, Christ chooses us. He buys us. He calls us by name. He makes us his own and delights in caring for us. And we feel that delight. And sheep feel the delight of their shepherd. They actually feel a sense of pride when they have a decent shepherd. And they actually feel sad for other sheep when they don't have a decent shepherd. It's wild. Out of this enormous pride, David writes one of the greatest poems of all time. Right? Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing? In other translations, I don't want anything. I shall not Want. We realize that we have all we need when we realize who our shepherd is, our owner, our master, our king. When we say the Lord is my shepherd, in other words, we're saying I'm in the care of someone else. I'm not the one in charge. I lack nothing is the natural result then. 
I don't want anything now. It's the kingdom for me. It's the king for me. If anything else is added, fine, but it's not my concern. 17th century English poet George Herbert writes this, and I love this. The God of love my shepherd is, and he that doth me feed. While he is mine and I am his, what can I want or need? So beautiful. Verse two then, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Okay, he makes me to lie down. Not like a rough coach or a, or a, a mad dad. Lie down. No, he doesn't make us lie down. He makes it so we can lie down. He makes it so we can rest. Philip Keller, in this book, he talks about how sheep and humans, very much alike, it, that they, he says it's, almost, it's near impossible to get sheep and humans to lie down and rest and be in peace. And here's what he's talking about with sheep. It's near impossible to get them to lie down unless four requirements are met. This is really fascinating. Being aware of their limitations, sheep refuse to lie down unless, number one, they are free of all fear or outside threats. Okay, outside of the voice of the shepherd, sheep are really prone to fear. And often it's the slightest disturbance, the the slightest threat, very similar to us. It's in the unknown or the unexpected. They say a small jackrabbit Rustling in the bushes can bring a full flock of sheep to a full-on stampede because one gets nervous and then 12 get nervous and they all just start running. And something really sad but really poignant, I think, for us is that uh, the female sheep that are pregnant, sometimes the panic gets so bad and the fear gets so bad as they're running away that they will actually pass their babies unintentionally aborting them, which is brutal but it just shows us that fear causes the life inside us to die. But the thief, the enemy of our souls, he jumps the fence, right? He's uninvited, and he comes to wreak this kind of havoc and bring death, but enter the shepherd. In verse three, he calls his sheep by name, and he leads them out. He calls us by name, that's identity. He speaks identity over us, and then he leads us out. That's calling, that's purpose. When the shepherd shows up and speaks, a sh- he, when he speaks, a shift happens from anxious care into peace, right? From fear into trust. Catholic theologian and psychologist Benedict Groeschel, he summarizes the, I love this, he summarizes the entirety of the spiritual journey in the Christian tradition as a decrease of fear and an increase of faith. He sums it up in that. Something amazing about sheep is that when the shepherd is there, sheep don't even notice threats. And I'm not talking about a jackrabbit rustling in the bushes, lions, bears, actual threats. They won't even flinch when the shepherd's there. Isn't that incredible? Because the shepherd is present. I love having a shepherd where you could be honest about your fear, where you could look at him and say, I'm afraid, I'm terrified. And he says, I know, that's why I'm here. And I'm here to console you and I'm here to instruct you. And just, you know, if I could just talk to like men for a second, this is a little bit off script here, but I love the masculine journey. I'm all about the masculine journey. I'm all about restoring masculinity. But that is is completely different than being honest with God to say, I'm afraid. And we can do that, men. We can admit that we are afraid because the shepherd shows up and when he is present, fear is absent. 
Am I right? Amen. All right, number two. Because of the social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free, number two, free from friction with others of their kind inside the community threats. So even within a flock of sheep, there's a pecking order of sorts. And in this case, it's called actually a budding order. It's like a hierarchy. Older sheep can intimidate younger sheep. And there's competition, there's comparison, and it robs us from lying down in peace. Tension, rivalry, every man for themselves, it brings friction to a community, doesn't it? Insecurity, being cast out, breeds anger and confusion. The result is that there's no contentment to lie down in peace. And there's always then a need to what? Stand and defend our rights, our place in this world, to protect our egos from being hit, to protect from more loss of status or loss of relationship, constant hurt or grief, and it keeps us from rest. There was an older sage in my life years ago, he told a group of us who were grieving, kind of some loss of relationships. And he said, of course you're devastated, devastated by the loss of this relationship. We're made in the image of God who is relationship. But the Father, Son, and Spirit, he doesn't just love relationship, he is relationship. So imagine how devastated he is that your relationships have been fractured. He loves relationships, so enter the shepherd. Keller says this, but one point that always interested me very much was that whenever I, the shepherd, came into view and my presence attracted the sheep's attention, they quickly forgot their foolish rivalries and stopped their fighting. (laughs) The shepherd's presence made all the difference in their behavior. Gosh, when the shepherd is there, friends, attachments and things we think we need burn away. When the shepherd is there, rivalries, and not just, they're not just shelved for a moment, they're forgotten. When the shepherd is there, so is the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. When the shepherd is there, the ministry of reconciliation is there. Amen? All right, number three. If tormented by flies or parasites. So number three, they will only relax to lie down when they are free of pests, or parasites, so distractions or interpersonal threats, the inner life. Okay, so for sheep, it's nasal flies and bot flies, warble flies, ticks and stuff like that, entering their body through the eyes, through the ears, the nose, and then they can't rest. They stomp their feet and they're shaking their heads and they run themselves through the brush. They're not well, just like we then become, we're not well. A good shepherd, though, works diligently to repel these nuisances. There's diligent care, proactive work on the sheep's behalf to keep them safe from insidious attacks. Listen to this, applying oil. Shepherds apply oil on the heads of sheep so the bugs slip off of them and they do not enter their bodies. Think of anointing oil. You know, when we say someone's, you're anointed for ministry, you're anointed for real estate, you're anointed for business, you're anointed as an entrepreneur. What we're saying when we say that is that the shepherd has covered you in his oil and has protected your inner life. So there's fruit in your inner life. And what we're saying is that fruit is becoming fruit in your outer life. The shepherd protects using his oil. Isn't that incredible? So like sheep, threats are everywhere trying to get inside of us through our eyes. How about this, what we see? (laughs) Some of the things we've seen, some of the things we choose to see, they're not helping our inner life. We can't be seeing the things we choose to see and want to have some sort of anointed life. 
We have to be careful. But then also the things we don't control. These devices that we carry around in our pockets, they are putting images across our brains that we're not meant to handle. We're not built for it. And it's affecting our inner lives. Or how about our ears, the things that we have heard. People have hurt us. People maybe have said things to us. Maybe it was a joke, but we have not forgotten it. Maybe it was a sarcastic comment that happened 20 years ago and you're still thinking about it. Enter the shepherd. <laughs> Amen? Enter the shepherd. So here's a moment. Here, here, it puts a different spin on the phrase, what's bugging you? <laughs> what's bugging you right now? And let's ask that question of ourselves right now. What's bugging you? What's keeping you up at night? All right, what false agreements are you believing, as John Eldridge likes to say, right? What false self is trying to drive your bus when it's the true, integrated, Christ-like self that's meant to be driving your bus? Think about it, because the shepherd is here. He's come to protect, but also to soothe and to heal. It's time to let the oil, right? Which all throughout scripture, the oil is talked about as the Holy Spirit, let the oil come to soothe. We can cry out, good shepherd, this is bugging me. And he arrives with his greatest antidote to the infections of our soul. He arrives giving us himself. It's me. I give you me. His presence takes care of the inner turmoil, his presence to soothe and to heal and to protect. Last one. Sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must, number four, be free from hunger. All right, so that's basic needs not being met. So sheep country, really good sheep country, is dry. It's semi-arid. That's where um, most sheep uh, flourish the best. But in those areas, it's not natural or common to find green pastures. Okay, so Daniel and I were just in Israel a year and a half ago, and we were in Palestine uh, near where David would have written this psalm. And it's dry. It's, it's brown. It's sunburned. It's wasteland even. But enter the shepherd. Green pastures didn't happen on accident. It was a labor of skill from a good shepherd to find spots. They knew the spots to go for green pasture or, and I think this is amazing, they actually can create green pastures. They plow the land, prep soil, seed, plant, irrigate, and bring in water. If a sheep was to lie down in green pastures, it would take quite a bit of care to make that happen. And in green pastures is where the nutrients is to feed and be satisfied, and then you could lie down. So are you in a place in your life right now that feels like a dry wasteland? The Lord, I think, is saying, don't bail. He can create green pastures. If it's a marriage that you're struggling with, that doesn't have the magic it once had, if it's a place of work. I, sometimes you have to leave situations. I get it. If there's danger, I get it. But you know, 22 and a half years of new life, you think it's all been green pastures? <laughs> no, it's been a lot of green pastures, but there has been some desert years, friends. And I have gotten to know my good shepherd the most in those desert years where he has come and said, we're not, John, come with me. We're not just gonna find some green pastures. I'm gonna create it. Where there is no green, where there's just desert, I'm gonna create it and pull off, like I was talking about earlier, pull off a miracle. God is saying to us, don't bail, don't leave. Do you trust that he can make a green pasture in your desert season, in your desert time? He can move the rocks in your soul. He can move the debris in your thinking. 
He could unroot bitterness and break the hard clay of anger and water your heart to live again. He could sow the seeds of his word, right, to grow you so you can flourish. He waters our lives to be strong, to weather the storms. So when you fear economic downturn, rising inflation, another election year, violence right here in our own town, ugly friendships, difficult marriages right now, remember who it is that shows up to give us what is needed. And what he gives, it's enough. So don't bail. Put the shepherd to the test. One quick story, and then we're going to go to the table. Um, at the end of my sabbatical, uh, I went on a backpacking trip. And uh, if you were here over the summer, I preached here at Friday night, and I told a story at the end of, of when I was in sixth grade. We went on this Boy Scout uh, hiking trip, and we got really lost, like hours um, and miles off trail. And it was really a frightening time. And by this miracle, these two guys showed up and helped us get back. And... Um, so since those days, I've always had a bit of a fear of being lost. And uh, my friend Dave Eitmiller, he's like a certified guide, and he takes, he takes people through Alaska. He partners up with companies that have been featured in National Geographic. And Dave's a new lifer, and we've become friends. And he's like, well, I'll take you on a, let's, I'll take you on a trip. We'll go, I'll, t- I'll teach you how to survive, and everything's on your back, and we're off trail for days. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. So on the, at the end of my sabbatical, I thought I'll end it with that time. So I invited Daniel. He came along. Uh, and Brad Baker, some of you know him, came along. It was me and, and Dave. He was our guide. He was our shepherd. And we, and we go on this trip, and he's got maps for all of us. And we all wear our own maps and compasses, and he taught us how to survive. He taught us how to navigate in the wilderness so we would never be lost. And I was so into it. I was so into this map. I was like, I can never be lost if I know how to use this map and I know how to use this compass. This is incredible. I've had decades of kind of this nagging anxiety of being lost. And I will never be lost if I learn how to use this. And so I was geeking out. I was like, guys, this way, now this way, now this way. Follow me. I know. We're going this way. And I loved it. We were days into this trip. And we're at 13,000 feet. We crested this, this ridge, and it was incredible. We had a, a little snack on the ridge. And then we dove deep down this valley. And we're walking down this valley, and I slipped. I fell, and I kind of hit my leg, and I was just sliding about 10 feet. And then I caught myself, and it was great. It was fun. I screamed. I laughed. It was, it was, it was great. Then we keep going down, and we get down to some flat land. And Dave's like, all right, John, where ne- where's next? And I reach for my map, and it's not there. Yeah, it's gone. I was like, oh no, my map, where's my map? And then I look back up and it's, we're over 30, it's, we're barely breathing. <laughs> we're exhausted and we look up and I was like, I bet you when I fell, I bet you it fell out. I was like, that's okay. You know, and Dave, our shepherd, he said, no, I'm gonna go back and get it. I was like, no, 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 Dave, it's fine. It's just a map. He goes, no, I could tell it means, it means something to you. I'm going back to get it. And I was like, well, I'll go with you. And so we, we climbed up this ridge, barely breathing. And I followed him. And he went. He knew exactly where to go, where I fell. And he found my map. He found it. I, we hugged. He was like, well, I don't know why we're hugging. And, <laughs> and then, I, then we walked back down. I put the map back in my pocket. 
I was able to guide us. And later I was able to tell the guys, like, I've had a thing about being lost. And this map has been this comfort. But I'm not lost. I know where I am. And then I lost it. But Dave, our guide, our shepherd said, you're not going to lose it. We're going to go back together. And we're going to get it. The shepherd is here tonight. The things you have felt like are lost, fractured. He's saying, let's go back and get it. Come with me. We'll do it together. We'll restore it because you're not lost. And then you could have this feeling that never leaves you. And that feeling is, I have been led. Amen? Let's stand together. If you serve at the table of the Lord, would you come to the front and just be ready to do that? Um, We are doing communion tonight, right, Daniel? (laughs) Okay. Um, I love coming to the table of the Lord because I love, I feel like when we respond to a word like this or when we respond just to Jesus, I love to let go of something and then pick something up. Or in other words, like I love to repent and then receive. So here's what we're gonna dismiss and come through, dismiss the, the rows and come through the lines and let that be a time of kind of letting go. Let that be a time of repentance. And in, in John 10, in verse 5, it, it says the sheep will, will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they, they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Think through this as you walk through and, and get the elements. Think through what voices are you following? The voices of fear, voices of attachments or ego, the voices of past regrets, fear of the future, voices of critics, comparison. What is the voices? Is it even the voices of success and achieve and win and money? What is it that, what is it that you're following instead of the voice of the shepherd? Name it. You know, name it to yourself. I, I've heard a therapist say that you can't heal from what you don't name. Name it. And come through and repent of those things. Let's give our shepherd those things. He knows we have them. <laughs> and then when Dan, Daniel's going to come up and he's going to lead us to re- receive the body and the blood, and then receive the shepherd. We didn't get this far in, in, in chapter 10, but if you go to, if there's, uh, I don't have it on the screens, but verse 29 says this. Jesus says, my father who gave the sheep to me, he is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. No man can do that. Receive the protection of the shepherd. So let's lay down and let's pick up. So we're going to go row by row. If you're new here, if you haven't done that before, just follow the person in front of you to be clear. And if you can't for any reason come through the lines, just just tug on someone and say, hey, can you take a double portion (laughs) and and bring me back one? But I think Jesus wants to do some work here. Okay? I think the good shepherd is here. Enter the shepherd. Let's come to the table.
Can you bring the lights down here in the front? I want to I want to create a moment where you can respond to the Lord and be really focused. John taught us through John 10 and Psalm 23. And at the end of Psalm 23, it says he prepares a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies. So I want to ask you tonight the simple question that John asked, and I'll never hear it the same again. What's bugging you? And I want you to close your eyes right now in the presence of the Lord. And I want you to begin to tell him. I want you to begin to name the stuff that's bothering you, the stuff that's eating you alive, the stuff that's gotten inside you, the stuff that's making it so it's hard for you to lie down. I want you to, can you just really tell him we've got the time? What's bugging you? He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. What's tormenting you? What's got you scared? What's making it so you want to bail? John kept saying it, don't bail. Jesus, would you hear us tonight? The good shepherd's here. Enter the shepherd. As you're telling him what's bugging you, I say, enter the shepherd. My sheep know my voice. The voice of the stranger they won't follow. I'm here, he says. Jesus, come and heal us tonight. Jesus, come and restore us tonight. Jesus, come and rebuke the devil tonight. Jesus, come and set us free tonight. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus sat with his friends, and it was a, it was a, a dark, a dark, weighty, brooding, scary night. And Jesus has composure somehow. And he says this is my body which is broken for you. He takes the bread and he breaks it. This is my body and it's broken for you. And every time you do this, remember me, Jesus says. Remember the good shepherd. And so tonight, in the midst of those concerns, receive the broken body, receive the bread from Jesus. He is here to feed you tonight. The second thing that John said tonight, sheep won't lie down if there's friction with others of their own kind. I just sense tonight, even as we receive the cup tonight, that that some of us need to release some people. We need to bless some people. We need to speak life over some people. Some of us are waiting for an apology when we could release a blessing. And, And I think we, you know, Christians, we go first. People who follow Jesus, he goes first. He takes the cross first. Jesus was not waiting for us to get right. Jesus gave blessing. And so tonight, I just want to challenge gently, just gently challenge those of us in this room who are feeling that friction tonight. Could you, as you receive the cup, as you receive your own forgiveness, can you release forgiveness? Can you release blessing tonight? Jesus took the cup, said this cup is the new covenant given in my blood, and it's given for the remission of your sins. And as often as you do this, remember me, friends, you are forgiven. And would you release blessing tonight as you receive? Can we sing hallelujah, um, Agnes Day? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Come on, church. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. We got plenty of time. It's 7:46. Let's worship. Hallelujah. Let's go back to faithful and true at the top. The first song we sang, he is always with us, faithful and true, right? And the shepherd is with us tonight. So I want us to get joy as we leave tonight. The devil wants us to leave somber and heavy and brooding. I want us to, some of you just need to dance your way out of here tonight on a Friday night. What else are you going to do? Go to the bar and dance? Come on. Let's do it right here in the house of God with, with sober joy, right? So let's sing, He is always with us, faithful and true. Come on. <laughs> Can we sing it out? Come on, church. We have. And 
we have this confidence in Jesus. His blood has brought us into freedom. There is no other that can save us. Cause we know, yes we know, it's Jesus. And He is ours, with us, faithful and true. In our weakness, He is bringing us through for He. tonight been wonderful. I got a sheet full of notes from John Egan. Beautiful night. Can we say thanks to John for preaching tonight? Beautiful. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come on back. 
Would you open your hands to receive the blessing as you go? I speak tonight God's favor over you, God's blessing over you, God's joy over you. We all have authority to release blessing. I release his blessing here tonight. I pray may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his shalom tonight, his peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here? Couple things. We got Guest Central in the back. Alex and Vincent are back there, two of our pastors. Uh, we'll have the prayer team down here. Uh, go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.